people we disagree with. That was a weird voice to do it in, but we got it. Yeah, we got there in the end. Welcome to episode three of People We Disagree. <laughs> so that's the podcast Tim uh, and I do about where we chat to people we love about things we disagree about. Exactly. And this is an episode. Who's <laughs> the moderates on the left? Right. right. <laughs> you don't even fucking know, do you? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Toby and I uh, both um, politically, I would say, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think Toby and I align quite a lot on... Most of the time. political opinion. I think maybe if, like, you did a pure, like, how left-wing are you, we might be somewhat... But I feel like we never, when we talk about something substantive, we generally get... Yeah, I think, I think it would be... I think we, you'd be hard-pressed to find an... Emo- uh, whether it's a social issue or, um, or an economic perspective where we don't either completely agree or at least see eye to eye and are only a couple de- degrees apart so to to a great extent i think we sit in a place where we're on the left and we're kind of wondering how far on the left we are we kind of, we kind of intellectually try and engage with anybody who's on the left because they have similar values and it becomes a question of like how much can yes. you get along with moderates and how much you know how yes. far left do you do you stretch and in fact i think something both of us can appreciate as not just um, people who grew up in both Belgium and England, but then also moved to third countries. Uh, and we certainly appreciate that left and right mean something different in every country, depending on the political makeup of the country. And that I think we both kind of had to find certain, like, I guess, I guess, um, understanding that our identities have to kind of almost be based on the... And they overlap. Yes. Uh, but the one, the one that everybody kind of knows and finds easiest to talk about is America. Because America leads, leads the conversation in the sense that everybody gets American news. So yep. we had a chat with one of Tim's friends who is American. Yes. Uh, that's not the only thing that's interesting about him, but yes. Uh, <laughs> Give us some other interesting things about him. Yes, yeah, so my dear friend Tim Kish. Uh, Tim and I met. We were sort of aware of each other for many years, but... Uh, because he used to make videos together with another friend of mine, Dom Ferrer. Uh, he's a very funny, talented uh, stand-up actor, uh, writer. Um, and uh, him and Dom started a podcast called Reasonable Beef, uh, an episode that I've been a guest on um, a multitude of times. And Tim and I, in general, actually got closer when we were both living in LA, sort of circa 2014, 2015. Tim is a person. Tim uh, is no, a person uh, with Tim, political views. Yes, uh, so, so Tim... <laughs> um, uh, and I think, you know, and obviously, yeah, if you lived... Yes, this was sort of part of the... I'm remembering now. Uh, if you, and if you lived in America around 2014 to 2016, it was relatively impossible to not, at some point have a conversation about your political views because it was obviously a very turbulent time in the US, uh, the lead up to the 2016 election. And um, this Tim is actually a good example of being on the left means something different in the US versus, um, you know... Versus yeah, I'm, I live in Greece. In Greece, I feel like you go... Basically, everyone I meet is an anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and so, and, and, and it was interesting because Tim, Tim and I had a very, uh, had a very brief uh, 
exchange uh, um, around the time that Bernie Sanders lost the Democratic nomination to Joe Biden in 2020. Um, Tim was frustrated, uh, as, as I think many on the left are in the, in the States, I think, with, with kind of consistently having to go for a more moderate candidate who doesn't completely reflect the things that they value or want um, and feel that it is too much of a compromise. I think that's a perspective that quite a few people in the Democratic Party feel. Definitely, um, and globally, people who yeah. follow American politics, it's kind of, you're kind of constantly being challenged to either pick a side or treat the whole, treat the Democrats as a bit of a kind of charade. Yes. And kind of, if, if what you really care about is equality and kind of... Uh, global capitalism, if what you're really thinking about are these kind of big picture issues, how, how much can you like the Democrats if they're centrists? Yes. And yes. you're kind of and, being challenged. And feel that, uh, and, and also that it's the kind of wishy-washy flavor of democratic politics that kind of gets nothing done and that sort of understandably tends to lose a lot, people lose a lot of faith in the system when they keep voting for kind of centrists who are trying to keep everyone happy and ultimately don't really push much through, I think that, you know. That, so like what, I, as a person on the left, kind of, and we were all people on the left, I guess, but like, as people on the left, how did we relate to the centre, basically? I yeah. Think was the, was and, the and so, you know, the, this felt like an interesting, fertile ground for conversation. Um, because, you know, again, it felt like the kind of thing that, you know, Tim, as, as someone who's, you know, born and raised in America, uh, would have developed those points of view, having lived there and having voted there all his life and all of that, versus Toby and I, who, me obviously living in the States, but being an outsider, Toby, from his perspective, it felt like it was going to be an interesting conversation because we were basically different flavors of lefty. Yeah. <laughs> if you're conservative, I think you might find this podcast interesting. Yes, but, but unbearable. Yeah, it's not going to cater to your, to your interests. But, it, you know, maybe, maybe you're... To make something very clear, Toby and I would absolutely love to talk to a Conservative. Yeah, any kind of Tories out there, not Tories, anybody on the right, if you yeah. want to chat to us and we love you, because that's the other prerequisite for being on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> then let's have a nice friendly chat. Yes. Um, but yes, so this was uh, exactly like, look, we, we, let's not dart around that. <laughs> this is indeed a conversation between... between uh, people already vaguely on the same side. <laughs> yeah, basically, how do you, you know, how do you treat politicians who you think might be on your side, but you aren't sure about? Yes. And so, yeah, that was, that was the conversation, and that's, and that's where we kind of thought it would be interesting to have a chat with Tim. And I think you should listen to it, because, because I, think, I think we solved it. I think we figured, <laughs> I think we figured it out. <laughs> Unlike Tim's podcast, Toby, Reasonable Beef, where the guests never have an idea when recording has officially begun. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I, dro I drop it on them. It's, a, it's always a surprise. That's something we could try and steal. That's quite yeah, a good yeah. idea. No, we should, we should be graceful, sure. not steal ideas. <laughs> oh, and I, all the best, all the best uh, podcasters steal ideas. There's only so much you can do to like, push the medium of like, okay, so we're going to talk for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? So, I, I mean, I, in the beginning, I'm like, well, let's just uh, let's confuse people and, and kind of set them off their, off their balance and see how they pick it back up. And usually it works out great. It's it usually, bizarrely enough, it usually uh, 
affects us to strangers pretty quickly. I mean, that's the that was the funny that was almost the probably the context um, that I should have given Toby ahead of this. I mean, I know I probably mentioned it at some point when I when I set this up, but yeah, I've been I like Tim and I have known each other at this point for quite a while. Like, oh God, we, yeah. <laughs> Like six years, um, maybe. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, like we were, and we were, we were sort of aware of each other um, before. But I would say we sort of really became friends when we were both uh, living in LA. Um, yeah, and you know, we started just sort of hanging out and catching up and seeing movies and all those all those things. Uh, and um, I'm also, I've been <laughs> for a while. I feel like I was one of the most regular contributors. That's, to That's what Tim. I was going to say. I, you, you are so, you are so integral to the beginning of beef. You're, you're the, the most common guest for a very long time. You haven't been on in a minute. I think it's I just because we haven't, we haven't spoken in a minute. Like we've, we've never had like the opportunity. So I, I moved out of LA um, and we just have never had the opportunity to interact. <laughs> like, oh, that's quite sad. So <laughs> it's very, it is very sad. I mean, but it, that, that's implying that I don't just have a button that's got Tim's face <laughs> on that says talk to Tim right now um, <laughs> that I can't, I can't press at any point. But yeah, I mean, we definitely need to have you back on. Yeah, Return of yeah, the king. we should do. Return of the king. <laughs> it's like, exactly. We should, we should do an old, we should talk about specifically Return of the King. <laughs> <laughs> just, I love skipping the context of the first two. Yeah, I just, exactly. I'm, I'm just really into Helm's Deep. I really, I really like that part. <laughs> <laughs> because um, that's also part of it, Toby, is that it is a podcast where um, generally we talk about movies, but I feel like lately it's also kind of cool because there's also a sort of pop culture larger pop cultural conversation that that feels like it's been opened up in 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 later reasonable beef would that be correct tim yeah um, it's i think every episode is like okay so what is this movie and also what's a snapshot of this movie in its cultural context like we did boss baby and we weren't just sitting there like the whole time going like oh, can you believe this can you believe a, a boss baby it's like just think about like what it is okay so it's like a kid's movie it's like a product they're doing they're dancing they're dancing the dance a little bit but it's all like fresh it's all pretty kinetic and like what it's up to uh it it, it succeeds at so it, it's it's like that kind of thing it's it it's uh, it's called reasonable beef, but it's more just like, hey, what is this thing? Uh, uh, what's the function of it in society as a piece of media? Um, I think that that's kind of the angle that we. That's super interesting. Is is that. that how you and Tim got talking? Because I assume you guys have talked politics before. Is that the angle through which you approach that, or do you just do movie chat and well, then politics chat? Yes. You, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like what's kind of interesting is I think. I think uh, Tim, Tim and I didn't exactly discover it through the podcast. I feel like that was more the like hanging out and chatting in the living room. Uh, oh sure, stuff right? Like like I don't know how deeply political we get on beef. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, only insofar as how much it affects like the 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 entertainment industry. Like we were touching on a little bit of it. Like, and and I think that the reason why me and Tim even started talking politics in the first place is obviously like the unique. Um, electoral situation that we were in when me and Tim really started hanging out, like 2016. <laughs> so I would imagine, like immediately after that, uh, all, everything that transpired was would be why why we started talking. I about think politics. it became it became a hard time not to talk about politics. <laughs> That's very true. It's like it's like the world's on fire, and you're like, so what got you talking about the fire? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, and, and I suppose that's almost that sort of pretty seamlessly for you then, Tim. The context is, uh, you know, uh, Toby uh, is, as, as you mentioned, he's my brother. He lives in Greece, but there's more to it than that. <laughs> um, we also, like, we, Toby and I, I think generally when left in a room together become... <laughs> Some people would call it great, other people insufferable. I think mainly the people who would call it great is me. <laughs> <laughs> We're big fans, uh, big fans. Uh, but, but we definitely like to sort of, you know, we, 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 we like to really go, go in deep on various conversations. And at some point we decided, hey, it could be kind of interesting to have a podcast. And initially our pitch for the podcast, as we were sort of going back and forth, was kind of almost like in a cheeky way, bring back like, oh, it's like a debate format, like a versus kind of thing. But mm-hmm. the jo- the hook was going to be, oh, his people we disagree with, but the hook would be that they're friends. Hmm. <laughs> uh, like, so, you know, as opposed to like, hey, watch watch us own this Trump supporter. Like, like <laughs> sure. sort of, you, you know what I mean? Like, which, where, where like no one's actually having a I conversation see, or having like a nuance. <laughs> It's but way then easier he, to get it, it's way easier to get guests when you're saying, "Hey, we're friends. We're gonna tear apart your your argument, but as friends." Yeah, like but, but here's what's interesting. But it changed, but, yeah, to <laughs> but what's really funny is so far the premise of our pot we have not really lived up to it. Like, not a single episode has been particularly contentious. Like, it has genuinely been people going, "Hmm, I see that." <laughs> like, well, my show is called Reasonable Beef. I chose. <laughs> <laughs> We can't steal that. I know all about, like, that's the whole thing. It's just like, hey, how do we end up in the middle? Yeah. It's actually interesting. I would describe it this way. I feel like you and I once had a, uh, uh, like, I would I would just call it, like, an exchange online, which was, I think it was right after Bernie had had dropped out and Biden had gotten the nomination. I think you and I had some kind of exchange where, I, like... I was very much like, I share your frustration, but please vote for Biden, was my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> partially, partially coming from a, uh, like, as someone who was like, <laughs> like, I would really like the hold on new green cards to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I, I, had a, I had a completely selfish reason <laughs> to, want, uh, to want certain things. But, but I well, would but that's, say... But that's politics. And I, I think that that's the important aspect to remember about, about all politics and that there's no, like, good politics that's going to satisfy every single person inherently what you're doing is you're fighting for your own self-interest which is not inherently wrong like that's that's what that's what the function is supposed to be it's supposed to be here here's how i have power in which to obtain the things that i want as a human that i can't obtain singularly by myself but you might you might want things that are good for a lot of people i guess that's why (laughs) also for like context i guess then so it's fair to say we're all kind of on the left right i'm assuming as like a starting. Yes. yes. Well, this is where I surprised Tony. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Tim is my best. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Golden Dawn fascist, actually. I'm in Greece right Golden now. Dawn fascist. Well, I was going to also say, as another like parameter of the kind of conversation generally, like obviously Tim and I are not Americans, as you might have noticed, but uh, t- Tim is obviously cool. quite in touch with America and I, uh, I do my best to keep up, but... The kind of left, left, like center left, far left split, I guess is kind of everywhere, including Greece. But does it make sense for this conversation to kind of use America as the focal point? We'll talk about American politics with its implications for us as well. 
Well, so I'm glad I'm glad you actually said that because because that's a, that's a point that I wanted to bring up is that like when you talk about leftism as as a as a broad term, there America doesn't really fall into that. There's no real Amer like American left. There's no political party here that's interested in in social safety nets the way even like the way even like labor is you know in the in the UK, mm. which is not the most like leftist red party in the entire universe, but still is like a ostensibly <laughs> more left party than than the democrats right no no so question. like when, when you're in the united states pretty much what you have is the center right and and the and the far right so it's kind of like a weirdly like we just have a different window than than i think europe has broadly although you guys do have like a, a bit more like open whack balls in <laughs> in politics <laughs> I, broadly. I think that's def definitely true like also, i mean people say like oh liberal means left in america and liberal means right wing in europe but that actually there's a deeper truth behind that which is that right. you just don't really have socialist parties in the way we do. And you use the word soci socialist slightly differently than we do, uh, but with no, with no judgment attached to that. And that's also because in Europe, the left is still kind of built on economics to some extent, I think. It's kind of still inspired yeah. with class struggle to some extent. Whereas America, I'd say maybe on social questions, kind of the US left still kind of leads the conversation to some extent. Um, and it's kind of a something that's brought up in Europe a lot is that these kind of old guard leftists are not very well developed on social issues that are not economic. <laughs> so that does happen you know, that you get like very... a shocking, a sudden anti-Semite appears from nowhere, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I don't I don't want to take the I don't want to take the ball and run with it like just yet. But I, I glad, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's actually kind of funny that that's the <laughs> because I, I wish that we had like Corbyn figures in the United States, like ones that are like almost too concerned with, with, uh, with material things and like, and, and the, the, you know, the, the economic aspects of it, because what we do have is like center right candidates that are wholly captured by like culture war mm. questions. Like they're just entirely about like identity and gender and, and like things that are very important to talk about and consider. But like a lot of times it, it feels like the language of, of those issues, which would, uh, you know, show up in Europe as leftist issues, show up as like center right things here, but with the exact same language. Yeah. Like social, like social justice broadly has been co-opted by like the Democrats, a center right party in the United States. A, a lot of times, well, not to say that it's it's not an important thing. I feel like a lot of times they use it as a cudgel to avoid talking about like economic issues. Mm. Um, and, and instead want to talk more about like representational issues, which are, again are very Sort of, shall we have five women on the board of the corrupt company that control yeah. the world, something that kind of oh, argument. It's, it's, that, it's that great tweet, uh, the, the uh, hire more women prison guards, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Is that a real tweet? Like, Did awesome. somebody actually say that? Yeah. That's stunning. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's ironic, okay, okay, you know, okay. like they're doing the clap emojis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this is this is the change we want to see in the world. Well, and, right. and it's actually funny because so again, long, long, super long winded intro, but I love it because I could already right. tell that we that we picked the great uh, that we <laughs> that, that we've got we've got the right set of minds here, which was it was interesting because I actually think Toby and I noticed for ourselves on this particular topic, which the larger framing we had was <laughs> and this, the, the reductive way to pitch it is. Yeah, are the Obamas, the Obama, Clinton, Biden sort of like center, like center right, but we're going to social issues gradually 
inch towards progress. <laughs> like, yeah. is that gonna get us all doomed? Uh, in the you know, and and it was interesting because Toby and I, depending on the day, feel differently. Yeah, <laughs> like which was that we we don't land on one on one side if that makes any sense. And I sure. and I'd be actually very curious for you, Tim. Like, I actually you know because I know I know how frustrating it was. For ultimately the nomination in 2020 to go to uh, to go to uh, to go to Biden, did you wind up voting for him? If you are comfortable sharing, <laughs> like, are you? Where did you? Where like? How much of a gut punch? Like, like, <laughs> did all that wind up feeling like? Did that stay? That that raw emotion? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I I did end up voting for Biden because of a sense of you know. Uh, obligation and, and just the inherent coercion of the United States political system. And, and you know, it, because I knew people like you, um, be, because I know people that, that I care about in my life, I'm like, well, fuck. And, and I'm, I'm glad. And honestly, I'm at the end of the day, I, I kind of am glad I did because the margin was, was closer than it, it should have been. Um, but, but <laughs> you know, I, I say should have been, but my position the entire time has been that Biden doesn't, doesn't offer um, the, the kind of transformational politics the United States needs. So it's not really surprising that he didn't that he didn't do gangbusters. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. do you, I, I I don't know. Like, <laughs> stubbing your toe getting gets more votes than cutting off your 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 toe. Right? <laughs> so that, that's that's super interesting to hear. So does that can, can we do a little bit of terms? Because I am at, so is it fair to say that you identify? What words are we going to use? Do you identify with the far left, or do you think that's like a derogatory word? Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's that's another toughie of of American politics right now is like coming to define the new left, um, and sort of like the the up and coming um, Bernie inspired left, I should say, who are kind of like I mean, I, I don't think that I'm a, I'm a far left leftist. I don't think I'm a, I'm a uh, I use the word tanky. I don't even know if I describe myself as a communist um, or even as a Marxist. <laughs> you know what I mean, because like these are, I I think it's just like it's a, it's a whole new kind of 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 thing, where you know you, you're you're raised in a a wholly um, materialistic like capitalist society, and you you've come to like appreciate certain aspects of that world. You know what I mean? Because like people that people that are on the new American left tend to not be like purely anti-capitalist. They're, you know, mm. they're they're sort of like uh, and they they want this sort of new capitalism. Maybe that's that's not the answer, but. You know what I mean? Like, is the answer to the new American left either full anti-capitalism or fascism? Like, are, are those the two... <laughs> are those our choices? <laughs> the, 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 the two poles that we have to be at? I mean, may, maybe. But to your original point, I don't even know what I would define myself as. And I think most Americans, even Americans on the left who consider themselves, like, politically active and politically educated, don't really even know what to describe themselves as. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because a lot of times, like, what you describe yourself as is your group um, and... Maybe there's not like a lot of groups that leftists identify with or even that they have an opportunity to meet up with because there's no real organizing going on here. Well, not a ton of organizing going on here anyway. That's a, a, I'm caffeinated. <laughs> That's a, a super interesting <laughs> answer. I'm going to ask Tim the, the same question, but part of the reason I ask is because I always found it easy as a kind of cop-out to say I identify with the left. Like, um, and that allows right. me to pick from from a spectrum that goes from like i don't know sort of anti-capitalist anti-capitalist anarchists in greece to to somewhere where obama is and i can like depending on yeah. the day <laughs> not that i don't think about it but i've i've never managed to land on something in between those things uh 
well then it's then it's a more globe then it's a more global you know feeling than than I than I realize because I mean that's that's broadly how I how I feel about it as well. And how about you, Tim? Is that fair to say for you as well? Yeah, I mean it's it's really difficult in this country because I I certainly found myself coming to the sort of to the conclusion I don't I I developed <laughs> I n- nowhere else in the world do I more strongly like feel like if I had to vote, like, cause obviously I can't. Mm. Right. <laughs> um, but, but here I like, it's just no question. I'd be a Democrat. <laughs> like, and, but I think what's annoying about that is all those nuances that Tim just, uh, brought up, which is, does that mean it's, there's so many people that, that, that broadly have to fit under that definition, mm. right. uh, that I feel I, the, the, the problem with the two-party system, especially here, and I, and I suppose we have echoes of it in the UK, it is a bit frustrating that it ultimately always comes down to oh, it's versus conservatives. Like, it's, coming, uh, it's coming for you guys, by the way. Like, if you're in the UK, if you're sitting over here looking at the United States going, like, that's a shame. <laughs> it's all coming your way. I <laughs> swear to God. No, I mean, no, like, but, it, but it's exactly that, that yeah. because because the thing the thing here is that I'm you know I'm frustrated by an infinite amount of things that I see on the Democratic side. The problem is, <laughs> the alternative is just sort of unthinkable. Like they are in a place they are in a place that I sort of can't. You know what I mean? So like, I, th- <laughs> I think that gets to the core of the question, really, which is as people who sort of identify, I guess, to some extent with the left and stretching further left than than these kind of mainstream left left wing politicians that we know to what degree do we actually feel like they've got our back so when we're talking about biden or obama or clinton do we feel like that approximates what we believe or do we see them more as part of the problem than than as part of the solution i guess is that the crux of the question yes (laughs) true i'm and 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 if you're asking and i mean I, the obvious answer is that they're that they're a part of the problem, right? Like if if there if there is a political party that by nature is coercive to vote for them, I mean it's a lot like like let's say I love house music, right? House music is my favorite kind of music, and here in the United States, there's only two kinds of music that you can listen to: it's polka and it's the sound of metal scraping <laughs> on the street, right? And it's like okay, I don't really, I certainly can't listen to the metal. Like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to like screaming noises that is not music. So I guess I'll listen to the polka and then you listen to it and it's like, oh, this sucks and I hate this. And like overall, I I almost would rather not be listening to music at all. Um, But this is all there is. (laughs) This is what I this is what I have to vote for. And if like, you know, you grow, you almost grow to hate the polka more over time versus like, yes, of course, the screaming metal noise is going to be the screaming metal I, I have to admit, I've but, always... But like the polka is supposed to be the music. I've always found that interesting because it's definitely true. And maybe I feel a little bit distant from this, but it's definitely true that people on the left have a kind of more passionate dislike of people whom they feel have betrayed the left than of people on the right. In other words, especially because like within the Labour Party, especially I think though not to oversense this on the UK... I've always felt I've always found it quite interesting how um, a conversation between somebody who identifies as a Blairite and somebody who's a Corbynite will be much more passionate and angry than somebody who identifies as a Corbynite or a socialist debating a Tory because they're comfortable debating a Tory. It doesn't threaten who they are, whereas somebody on the left who's to the center and who you feel is kind of using your words but undermining them. They really threaten who you are to some extent. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's that's a great point. It's it's a matter of like you're seeing your own identity reflected back at you inaccurately, and that that just makes you so upset. <laughs> like, uh, especially stop since doing. Like, I mean, I mean the the <laughs> like the. In a lot of ways, I guess labor is also very similar to the Democrats in that it's like any any it collects all of the broad left uh, and kind of groups them together. And there's going to be some very drastically different ideas in in that group, like even even in a, a, a multiple party country, like you still run into issues like that, um, obviously to a lesser gridlock extent. But no, but it's it's true because I remember sort of in the aftermath, I was having a conversation with, with, I think it was, again, it was around the time that we, we all found out it was going to be Biden. And I remember having a conversation with someone who was basically just, you know, and he was, and his thing, particularly his main reason for being so frustrated and why he really, really wanted, would have preferred a Bernie or, or, um, you know, uh, maybe Elizabeth Warren, or, but basically people, especially on climate change for him was the big thing. He wanted to come out swinging much harder on that because he was like, oh, Biden's just going to put in tariffs again and it's not enough and all these things. And it was, and it was interesting because, and he was arguing, you know, the Paris Climate Accords is not enough and all these things. And it's actually interesting because I was the whole time as he was talking, saying, thinking to myself, yes, you're right, <laughs> but but it's but rejoining the Paris Climate Accords is better than four more years of not yeah. doing that. Like like, and it's really difficult because I. But that's always the scary thing that we, especially in the U.S., I feel like always winds up being the problem is that it's like yeah, vote for the thing that's not enough <laughs> because because the alternative is actively make the problem yeah. worse. Yeah, so right. I, 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 I do think that. So, sorry to, to to interrupt you, but. Um, no, please. I, I do think, though, that that gets to, like, a, a core question of, like, do we just feel like the centrist politicians are not doing enough, but that they are kind of trying to do what we would like to do? So, in other words, as I for me, this always comes back to Obama. To some extent, I do think, like, so I read his book not too long ago, and I do, and it was, like, quite a painful experience, because the whole time you're going in and out of liking him, <laughs> you know, like, you were, you were amazing, or oh, actually, kind of, you, you, you know, you didn't manage to do anything, but I do genuinely think that, roughly speaking, the values, the relevant values are not too different. I think Obama saw his mission as, like, um, fighting on behalf of the working class, uh, fight, fighting against racism, creating healthcare, fighting hmm. climate change. I, th I think that's more, more or less where he genuinely believes he's at. And he just thinks I am more competent and realistic about how to do this than people like Bernie Sanders. I mean, that's the great question, right? Like, did, are Democrats delusional <laughs> uh, or, or are they just misguided, right? Because it's, it's I, I do think that, well, so personally, I, I think that Obama is like a massive egotist. Uh, I, I've grown like as he's got out of the presidency. Well, first to even to even run for the presidency, you, you need to be like a massive egotist. I think that's like that's why Bernie Sanders was so unique to people because even the, even him, like if you don't think Bernie's like a bit of a diva, come on, man. You know, you, yeah. you know, you know, he wants his his two pulled spring waters in the exact spot in the green room. Like I'm I'm sure that he could be a bit of like a headache. And and the man the man's not perfect, but he was just so clearly like not what we usually get. In the running, which immediately makes you feel like, oh, maybe this guy's like coming from the right place. So like, even if you weren't totally on board with what he's saying, it's like, this guy's too weird looking <laughs> to be in this for vanity. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, Corbyn definitely had that uh, as well. But, <laughs> Just kind of, he looked so bewildered I, I, to be in the spotlight. 
<laughs> but I do think that like Obama, I mean, he probably started out like, you know, half ambition, half ambition, half goodwill, but at this point has just been fully consumed by being the most famous man like in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the lists that he put that his, I guess his like, <laughs> the list that like his team puts out every year make me like, like his favorite media. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, favorite. I agree. A, I, uh, it's, it's actually funny here? because. You're going to want to listen to Lizzo. Like, I'm not listening to Lizzo. Yeah. No, and also that's stuff that I also do generally not like. Like, it's actually interesting when I, I always enjoy, if I have a debate with someone who is a little bit more on the right, I always find it funny when they think that's a gotcha. Like, sort of when they sort of go like, what about Obama cashing in on Netflix deals or, or, or for that matter, in, in the most recent election, sort of like Hunter Biden being on, a, on an energy company just because he's <laughs> like, so and all these things. And I go, yeah, I hate all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that's not a, you're, that's not like a, ooh, you've really got me. You've got someone I like. I'm like, no, I, I, I don't like that, that, that. Exactly. Every year, Obama puts out a list of like, here are good books. To, to be fair, though, I would, <laughs> I would make a tiny <laughs> distinction there, not to be the Obama apologist for the whole episode. But um, but I yeah, do yeah. think it's quite those two things I reacted to really differently. And I get that Obama's egotistical. And I agree. I think anybody who sort of I think this is Jerry Seinfeld quote, but anybody who looks in the mirror and goes like, you should be the president. That person, something's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Obama definitely falls under that category. But the Hunter Biden thing struck me in a different way in that that did feel like, oh, look at all these kind of American vested interests all over the world that seem very corrupt. And that's that seems like an unhealthy thing yeah. that all these American politicians have financial interests in energy sectors in other countries. <laughs> and the Clintons are definitely... Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something that's a distinction I would make between the Clintons and Obama, I guess, is that I definitely feel like to some extent the Clintons feel like a traditional ruling class in, a, in an almost English way, whereas Obama doesn't <laughs> really feel like that to me, or at least that's not where he came from, even if that's what he's become. Uh, what, who is the comparison with Hunter Biden? Is Hunter Biden like the Clintons? or is Hunter, Hunter Biden, Biden would like be the, like the, the Clintons in the sense of kind of literally owning uh, okay, owning like shares of oil companies and stuff like that. I, I do get uncomfortable about that kind of stuff. I don't think politicians should have huge financial interests in in energy sectors in other countries. Well, absolutely not. And, th- and this is this is where you, you run into like be- being a Democrat and like making yourself a Democrat when you don't believe like what the Democrats are about 100 percent. You find yourself in these like insane cognitive dissonance situations where mm-hmm. you're fighting with some dude named like MAGA guy four five six four five one, and he's going hey why did China give Hunter Biden a huge diamond as just like a gift for no reason and then you're like well he deserved that diamond and you're like what am I doing yeah what yeah, am yeah. I doing no, <laughs> like, no, yeah, that's like kind of when we when we go um the, the, the similar one for oh. me would be it's when we go Oh, Pepsi! Pepsi is punishing uh, is punishing Atlanta for their for their voter res- for their restrictive voter law, and we go, yeah, we love Pepsi now, and like, oh wait, we we we, we love the we, like wait, we're rooting for the corporations now. What's yeah, happening? No. Right. It was a little bit like that with Harry and Meghan, though, to be honest, as well. With the, not to interlink our episodes because we did one on the monarchy, but like there was a little sense of like, yeah, be progressive. Still, the royal family. <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's what I feel. That I, I feel that like that, and that's that's such a, a a hard opinion to hold as 
woe is me, um, a- as a white man. Because like you, you look at that coverage and it's just like they're being so unfair to Megan. It's like, yeah, you're right. They are being so unfair to Megan. Megan can buy me. Megan can purchase me. Like if she, if she really wanted to, like she could go, like she could put it, put the funds together to to own me. Um, and and I, I'm God, but forgive me. I know that's that's whatever. No, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like that, that's that's the kind of like class, like class absolute blindness mm-hmm. that that yeah. like you know the the, the the you know Democrats, liberals, media kind of like dabbles in. But I'm. Yeah, no, and 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 it's it's actually interesting because this might be a slight, like it's a sort of slight, but sort of I think I'll bring it back to where Toby was initially driving at, which is that for me, what I find a little bit frustrating about where things are at, and actually this was sort of one of the reasons we picked immigration as what was meant to be the starting point, but oh, I yeah, like that what? we just lost <laughs> it off. No, but, but it's actually really great because because here's the thing. I, I think as a person kind of do align with at least not necessarily what the Obamas and the, and the Bidens do, but, but at least what they preach, that sort of like, hey, you know, like work with the other side, work with people who disagree with you, except that, that sort of like ethos, I technically sort of in my soul kind of agree with, mm-hmm. but then it's really hard the reason I find it frustratingly ineffectual though, and it's just not where things are, is that you, you, you look, the other team are not playing that sport. No. Yes. <laughs> so, and so, and, and at some point you're an idiot if you keep playing it. And immigration, uh, Toby and I, we kept talking about it was, is a perfect example of that because <laughs> Trump comes in, pushes the conversation so far to the right and also pushes the policy so far to the right. Like he, you know, like, like, uh, I know that um, I know that Obama like was no saint for for the for for immigration and for deportations and all those things, but you know Trump comes in and goes for active cruelty and more detention centers and all these different things, and then we 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 respond with Biden and what does Biden do? He goes, okay, but I'm also a president of the people who like the deportation camps, so I have to like <laughs> I have to right. like listen to both sides. And what's happened in the largest over the over the last in the larger scheme of things is oh shit we've moved like we've moved so far from where we were because you're still playing to both to to be a president for all people exactly. when this is wrong we should be going back the other way right if you if you walk if you walk halfway towards mm. the destination over and over again yes you'll never touch it but eventually you'll be real fucking close like yeah. it's the, the democrat and it, the democrats are the baby splitting party like they that's that's that has always been their kind of thing and and I think that their their major issue um and and I think that you kind of revealed it a little bit in the language is that most people think of politics as sport even the language that that like the democrats use when talking about politics like you know uh, be fair to the other side like the other side implying there's a field you know what I mean like yeah. it, it's this yeah. is such bullshit like it at, at the end of the day politics is how do i get my hands on the power to get the pe- that get me and the people that that i want to have um you know benefit benefits how, how do i make that happen and that yeah. that like you can say that out loud and it can immediately sound insidious but you know read further into it and all that means it like <laughs> i i don't know because I, I think that that's that is what people hear when they're like no i want to get in into politics i don't want to listen to the other side i want to get what yeah. i want and people are yeah. like people have a, sports, a natural reviling to that they're like oh yeah wait, that's how could you want so much as someone who hadn't witnessed an american election in america i remember 
I remember the, <laughs> uh, it was strange, you know, being <laughs> in, yes, a liberal bastion, but in California <laughs> and watching the way uh, the Republican uh, primary debates and the Democratic primary debates were like marketed and mm. seeing how it was faces of people followed by names it would be like a picture of trump and then trump (laughs) against each other and i was like this is this is sports it is being marketed like sports no question (laughs) and 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 it was and it was a little bit terrifying because it did make you realize oh (laughs) like like it's truly just entertainment the way it's been commodified which is awful because this should be the word I keep, what I keep coming back to is it's like, you know, and I'm not like the UK media is ob- obviously not perfect, but as someone who came from at that time, you know, question time and sort yeah, of no, really okay. prolonged, boring, stuffy men in suits, to- like po- politics being as boring as it should be. <laughs> right. Uh, it was the, weird to go. The UK has uh, its... This is way too exciting. Sorry, I was just going to say, all Europeans do to some extent feel that when they watch American elections. Uh, but I do, I would add, though, that the UK has its own problems in, in, in a kind of, its media environment has its own particular problems. Like one example I always find is there's a journalist yeah. in the UK called Jeremy Paxman, and he got really famous by, like, asking the same question 19 times or something. It's like, look how good a journalist I am. I refuse to not get an answer to my question. But the question he asked was something like, did you pressure him to resign? which I don't actually think is that important a question. Like, I don't actually care in the grand scheme of things whether X person pressed X other person to resign. So there's, like, still quite a confrontational atmosphere with politicians, but not about important questions. (laughs) Just about kind of, ooh, can we, can we, can I get him on the ropes about some trivial thing rather than something substantive? Yeah. And that's, that's, there's your your, uh, Murdochism at play like the 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 mm. english english media bleed out into the united states in in the form of fox news is like hey, thanks for that guys yeah uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I know exactly what you mean I, I just watching like any kind of coverage of the english media like i'm gonna to, to go back to corbin like what do you what do you the, the way that they covered him was just so comical it's just like so com- like comically over the top like just running down every little little last thing that he was about um I mean, they just tend to they tend to to skew conservative, right? Like they just tend to to skew Tory. I thought that was my understanding. I mean, obviously, I don't read too much uh, English media. I think that's true to some extent, but I would like to throw a spanner in the work slightly and challenge our because I think we've reached a kind of settled consensus a little bit about like, oh, the media is a joke. These centrist politicians are a little bit of a joke, or they're under delivering, or they're they're, yeah. they're they can only be legitimized by their 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 uh, by the fact that they're preferable. But specifically on the question of immigration, I do think the the further left has had pro- has had quite significant problems in, in terms of coming out fully in favor of immigration. So on the European question specifically, Labour uh, Corbyn's Labour was never in favor of keeping freedom of movement, which is something I cared about mm-hmm. quite a lot. Uh, and the same in France, you could make the case Mélenchon, who's the the um, the French more radical left candidate. Famously, when Macron said that colonization was a crime against humanity, his response was something like, oh, that's, you know, uh, an insensitive thing to say. 
he sort of said ambiguous things about refugees. And even if I'm not wrong, correct me if I'm not wrong, Bernie Sanders at some point has said something like open borders, that's a Koch brothers policy. So I don't think the record of the more radical left is squeaky clean on immigration either. It's very true. And, and li- likewise, likewise with, um, with, with, with foreign policy. Um, and that, that was like, that was my other thing about Bernie Sanders is that like, I don't realistically, had he become the, the, the president, I think we would have seen a lot of domestic policy changes. I don't think we would have really seen too much go on about like American empire abroad, like see that get, get called mm-hmm. back a little bit. I just don't think it would have been in, I just don't think it's even on the table. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I mean, seriously, and, and again, like, and, and this is, this isn't a commentary on, on, on Mr. Sanders being Jewish. Um, but like, I also wouldn't have seen anything like, I highly doubt that our, our relations with Israel would change either. Mm. Um, just because like to, to change that would be, would be rocking a political boat that again, like, I don't think he was interested or, or many people on the left are even interested in rocking. Uh, Do you I, know what's I, a, I actually think something that, and it's funny because this will be the most like <laughs> outing myself, I guess, as on this particular issue, a far, a far lefty. <laughs> but, but it's actually interesting because all this coverage, and it was, it was, it was sort of an under. Uh, there was a lot of coverage in the past, and I feel like it happened both here and in Europe. Like a lot of talk about the declining birth rate. Like, oh, how are we gonna? How like our generation, basically, all three of us on this call. Like when we're <laughs> when we're in, who's gonna be who's gonna be paying into the system to pay for us to be retired? Right. <laughs> you know, like that was sort of the that was sort of ultimately, uh, you know, a lot of the panic because basically across most of you know the Western world and uh, you know the 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 birth rate was dropping right like we were having less and less kids Mm -hmm. and it's actually really interesting because (laughs) part of the solution to that is immigration (laughs) like it's making immigration yeah like it's getting more more young people attract more young people to come and build lives here and work and pay for all of us to be old (laughs) definitely (laughs) like like and it's actually interesting because that argument is not made because i because i guess you know, and I know that the that they that the problem is that you even touch the issue, and someone will, in bad faith, try and turn it into like a yeah, but that's legal immigration versus illegal, and we've got a problem with illegal, like all these things. But right, like like genuinely, the path to citizenship and some of the stuff that Biden's talking about, like yes, it's eight years, <laughs> yeah. and all these different and also just things, honestly, but like this- it is genuinely has a practical benefit if we started doing more of this. <laughs> also, just as a minor point that I said this, because this is kind of my work, but so one point, maybe maybe it should be said on the podcast at some point, but this distinction that you make, uh, that people make, not you, uh, about illegal and illegal, legal and illegal immigration, it's important to remember, it is legal to come to a country to claim asylum without a residence permit. <laughs> it, is, sure. it is legal, in fact, that's why asylum exists. But yet politicians constantly act as though that's not the case. So they'll talk about illegal arrivals. In the UK, we've had it loads with Priti Patel talking about illegal arrivals. But it is legal to arrive in the UK to claim asylum. So I think the distinction is kind of a cynical one anyway. Sorry, I just want to make that point because it's something that comes up in my work. No, no, I I agree. I agree with that. And as as someone as someone who obviously, you know, became much more familiar with like issues affecting the Latino community and all these things, like I certainly agree with the arguments that no person is illegal. I actually do believe that. Like, and I know it's a like it's like a nice little liberal slogan, but I actually do believe that. Now that said, I can take I, I am willing to listen to the nuances of, 
yes, I understand that. Oh, I understand that. You know, we can't open the borders. Exactly. Sure. I understand that it is complicated, but I but I do agree. Like that's sort of uh, in that area. I sound certainly like a like a <laughs> weeping. But tear. at different times, <laughs> right. you found at yeah. some different points though that. In the context of the European debate, some centrist politicians have been slightly better on immigration than the more radical left. Maybe that's... I'm not sure that's entirely true, but I definitely think... I used to be quite fond of the Liberal Democrats because I was quite a convinced European. Um, but there was some... Well, I, there was I, some I think noise. a lot of it... Sorry, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think a lot of it is just like, you know, the, the approach to, to economic issues. And I, and I do think a lot of centrists get to, to tout, like, the... the um, the, the social justice elements of it, of like, you know, we want to bring in people, like we're, we're, we're champions for diversity. But, and again, I, I think a lot of times leftists want to engineer the financial institutions at home to build social safety nets for, for, um, for like citizens, citizens that we have at home. And, and I feel like at, at the end of the argument that centrists make generally of like, you know, we'll get, get the immigrants in, you know, uh, I don't think that they have a ton of, okay, so what do we do with them? Once, once they're here, how like what what is it? What does integration really look like? Um, do they do they need to integrate? But and and to 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 go back a little bit um, about like it, why it's not even talked about that that uh, you know immigration is is the answer to like propping up a lot of financial institutions that rely on a lot of bodies to keep it going. Um, I, I mean, it, it should be said that like it's it at its core, there's probably a healthy ounce of xenophobia there. Of like, oh, you're going to get a bunch of people that aren't me, that aren't like me and my family in here, um, and, and we're going to lose our identity, um, which uh, this might be a little controversial. I almost kind of understand that in a European context. I think it's absurd in an American context, considering like, you know, we're, we're a conquered colonial island where we, you know, we killed all the natives. There's no inherent like culture here. Uh, but I, I guess if you go far Gosh. enough back in any given Europe country... Uh, if you go, yeah, Applebee's is the closest thing we have to like inherent American culture. Um, but but like That's I it. guess we go I back in no Europe long enough, because, it's the exact uh, same thing. Harsh, right? But I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 like yeah, but it, but I did want to make it fair. Like if you go back in Europe far enough, um, maybe that that argument becomes absurd at a certain point. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I've, I've always just thought about that. That's a somewhat controversial thing I've always kind of chewed on is that like there is a sense of, of cultural identity in a lot of European countries. Um, and and I, I kind of see where they're coming from as far as being concerned about losing it. Um, am, I, am I crazy? What, here? Co- like, what is this countries just like are, a, you, are, a are you thinking of? Well, just like, you know, I, I suppose it is. I, I suppose none of it has to do with ethnicity, like at the at the end of the day. Um, because I, I don't believe that. Like, I don't agree with them. Um, but, but I guess I kind of see their anxiety that it's like, hey, this thing that I've known that, that like many generations of my family have known for a very long time is going to be very different moving forward um, in a way that like literally in, in a very visceral way that I don't even recognize. Like, I don't recognize the people that are doing it. Uh, and I guess I just kind of understand that anxiety in a place that has a lot more history than the United States. If you ask Europeans um, how many, because ba- often this is about Islam. Most people say Islamization is what I'm afraid of. Um, mm-hmm. And the truth is, all, across polls, everybody consistently overestimates how many Muslims there are. In other words, even in the UK, which is arguably arguably one of the most, France or the UK is the most diverse country in Europe in terms of ethnicity. Um, 
But in both countries, I don't think your your percentage of the population that is Muslim will will it'll be between like five and eight percent or something like that or less. It's going to be a tiny sure. number. So I th I think there's something specifically about Islam that's quite triggering to people. This idea Absolutely. of there will be a mosque here. <laughs> how how are we going? How are we going to go to the supermarket when there is a mosque here? <laughs> <laughs> just they just, they built it in the street. What? What? Come on, guys. <laughs> what am I supposed to uh, do now? <laughs> well, no, but I, I I do think I think that's a that's a fair distinction to make because like in my context when you talk about American like immigration in the American context you're usually talking about um, South American or Mexican immigration, right? Like people coming up like moving up from work. Uh, and generally, their religious interests ally with the majority of religious interests in the United States. Like they're all they're all Christians. So that's that's not a thing that, um, you know. I, I guess I, all I'm saying here is that like, th thank you for pointing that out. Like I wasn't even thinking about like Islam as a factor and like people coming in. Like I was I was completely thinking about it as like an ethnic thing. Um, well, it's interesting because actually some of the stuff you hit on just now, it, it has an interesting overlap with not just the first time Toby and I ever did a test of this podcast, but actually weirdly also with the um, with the, the the conversation we had with Daniel about the royal family, which is that it's actually, it's interesting because, yeah, it is ultimately an anxiety based in very little. Because mm -hmm. one of the things Toby and I were talking about when it came to our identities, for instance, as people who are both... English or British and Belgian, uh -huh. we had this funny thing of going, well, what is the identity really? And like you said, that's very true. Yeah, I guess there's history. I suppose there's that, <laughs> um, which, which, you know, Toby and I very had some heated exchanges with, with our mother about who clearly was, and it's interesting because she is equally critical of the Royal family. She's happy to like criticize the things but but there is more sympathy there than toby and i have for the institution <laughs> and and even in a larger sense for us something that we kept coming back to is and it was it was ultimately the conclusion of the conversation with daniel was this idea of well if you take away the royal family what is there and sort of <laughs> um and it's interesting because yeah what keeps what keeps a culture together is actually a very complicated yeah um, question because I think like, as much as you jokingly said the Applebee's thing I was like I guess my Englishness is that I like a cup of tea and I know what a crumpet is and, <laughs> yeah. and I you know and, and it's funny because that is superficial stuff that's nothing like, there's but it's nothing very good, deeper it, but, I, do but think, I agree it's superficial but it's very important sorry no, no, I, you go ahead, Toby, because I, I think you, I think you're jumping off on what I was saying. But it's, it's, it's interesting the, because ultimately, when I try and dig deeper under that anxiety, <laughs> I kind of find myself going, but, but there's not really, <laughs> there's nothing really here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is yeah, like, it, but I think. I guess it's it's hard. I'm sorry, please, Toby, you're trying to make that point. So I also, my internet's not amazing, so I sometimes have a slight lag. So if, if I interrupt at a bad point, blame my internet, please, and, and, and not me. Um, but I think it's better to entrust it to things like that, to the cup of tea, to the pub, to the streets, maybe to the architecture, mm -hmm. but entrust, entrust your identity to what daily life in a place is like. Because if you entrust it to history, I mean, we're Belgian and British, um, we historically, that you, from a colonial perspective, you could not pick two worse countries that have like done worse things. <laughs> um, 
And I suppose America arguably, you know, now is the biggest empire. So, but in other words, don't entrust it to the, to the quote unquote, great things your country has done in history. Entrust it to the lived experience of living in a place, I think. That's a much sweeter thing to build your identity on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. I mean, and, and it, I think it's important to keep, keep all that in mind crystal clear of like what, what a culture is and like what, what humans are like that a thousand years ago in the exact same place, even if you live in a place with a thousand years of history, a thousand years ago, the people that lived there probably weren't super genetically the same as you. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's just, you know, pe- people travel and, and it is, it is an aspect of like, um, colonialism coming home to roost. Like, would you would you export your culture as like, okay, this is the standard way that you are and should be. Like to the mo- to most of the world, you know, when when people come back to your country that that aren't of your you know, preferred ethnicity that are now a part of your culture, that's just something that like that's a consequence of colonialism. No question, right? Yeah. Like, and 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 those pe- and those like now new English or quote unquote new English people create anxiety with the quote unquote original English people. And, and I don't know, it, it's, it's an interesting question. Cause like <laughs> what, what is immigration in the aftermath of like, of colonialism, right? Like it, when, when you're in play, when you have people coming from places that historically places have spent years like abusing um, and, and stealing from it, what, what do we owe to those people that now come that, that don't have stuff? You know what I mean? Mm. I, I guess mm-hmm. I guess South America is what I'm thinking of when I when I talk about this. Like America has done like a lot of, a lot of uh, futzing around in South American politics. Um, it, it, we we embargo like a lot of a lot of governments that we don't like, uh, causing you know very. Despite what you feel about what those governments do and and how they treat their people, like we we cause a lot of economic anxiety down there, and and you know talk about the root causes of what what's the influx up north. Um, I'm I'm on one. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, but I, I I do think that stuff is. I, d- I definitely it, think that there should those two what, things should be tied together. What, what's that? Yeah, like I think um, when you invade a country, I think you have an increased responsibility to accept its refugees to some extent, right? Like if your bombs are causing the refugees, there might be some kind of moral onus. But like fa- uh, something I discovered quite recently, which I still think is quite shocking, is. Um, in the aftermath of the Iraq war, Tony Blair considered, seriously considered leaving the European Convention on Human Rights, specifically because asylum applications were increasing. <laughs> Seems like the most cynical, awful thing you could possibly do right. is bomb a country and then, <laughs> and then lower your human rights standards so you don't have to take any of the refugees. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, now I, I I'm interested in in I I know we probably don't have like, like a ton ton of time left, but I'm interested in, in in your work a little bit, Toby, um, because like I mean you're obviously the most equipped to talk about immigration here uh, out of any of us. So like, what what do you notice as as the stark differences between um, I mean UK immigration and, and Grecian immigration, and if you could talk about it like American immigration. Sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to take over your show. <laughs> but I that I I have curious to like just hearing like what that's what that's How dare like. you drive the topic? <laughs> <laughs> we don't guests don't have initiative. That's not how it works. Um so, shit, yeah, so uh basically the the distinctions that that you talked about earlier are correct in the in the UK there's a the UK is the arguably Again, there's a comparison with France to be made, but arguably the most diverse country in Europe, and that's related to colonialism. There's just the exportation of, of UK culture, 
made it a logical place for a lot of people to go because they understand it and speak the language and all these reasons. Whereas Greece is a very poor country where it is extremely difficult to make a life. Well, very poor. You know, I don't want to overdo it. Greece is not ridiculously poor, but Greece is not a country where it is easy to arrive and make a life and make a decent living if, if you have no links to the country. So, but it's at the border with Turkey, which is obviously the edge of Europe. So a, lo a lot of people who arrive here are arriving from the Middle East or from, uh, from Syria, from the Civil War, but who, who ultimately would prefer to live in a country where they could have kind of an economic future. Um, and to some extent, it's easy to feel to feel as though Greece is not being treated right and that there is xenophobia, which is terrible, and there is Turkophobia, which is, you know, terrible. But also, Greece is a poor country, poor-ish country at the edge of Europe that is being expected to create an asylum system for people who don't want to be in Greece, for people who want to be in sure. in Germany and, and Britain and France. Yeah, yes. Like, it's a, it's a, a non-colonial power that's kind of having to take on that. Like, yes, it, it's it's... So what do you think? It's like unfair to expect Greece to like take in refugees or? No, I wouldn't go that far. I, I, because ultimately the argument Tim made earlier is, is the right argument in the sense that ultimately, especially also in a country where in Greece, like Greece, where you have a, a problem of brain drain, where young Greeks are moving to Western Europe to make their future, you need young people and refugees are young people. So there's a very clear self-interest argument for accepting refugees. Very true. Yeah. Um, but... I definitely think within a European framework, it seems unfair. Also, because you you might have heard sort of about the economic crisis and and uh, it, talking about the left, the the kind of biggest uh, kind of nightmare for the radical left in Greece was coming to power because it completely destroyed the moral legitimacy that the left once had. Sort of, Syriza was a radical party <laughs> and is now a kind of uh, you know a joke. Uh, it's, it's a punchline. Um, which is a very sad development. But j j just generally, it makes much more sense for asylum to be organized in a European way if people are going to come to Greece. And Greece is going to get the cost of setting up an asylum system, but often not the benefit of the people staying because they'll try and go further west. So Greece gets a bad right. deal, even, even if it's in the self-interest of ref refugees. Within a European context, Greece gets a very bad deal. Let's hurt you, and and not to make this this too broad of a of a conversation, but I, I guess like, doesn't the EU seem a little bit, I mean, coercive in that in that regard, right? Like, because they're not really, their their option isn't to leave. They can't just like dip, right? Because they're, they're, now they're financially vested. I think more than other countries, correct? Again, but apologies if I don't I don't really know. Um, I'm, I honestly I'm not European. I don't follow European politics too too closely. But my understanding was that like Greece was the the, the like the pauper state of the EU for for quite a while. Uh, so in in about 2015, Greece uh, almost went bankrupt, and the European Union sort of bailed Greece out on conditions of austerity, which made it extremely difficult to ever sort of envisage Greece growing again. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. But that's an interesting point with respect to immigration specifically, because in a Greek context and in a British context. The European Union is kind of, to some extent, the voice of free movement and of human rights in that if you're going to get pressure on Greece in terms of stop putting a lot of, stop putting too many refugees stuck in the same camp, stop pushing people back at sea, don't undermine the European Convention on Human Rights. Those kind of voices mm -hmm. will come 
from the European context, and the same in the UK, the, the voices that say stop mistreating your immigrants, you're not respecting free movement, that will come from a European angle. But at the same time in Greece, you have this huge perceived, but I also agree, injustice done on the country where it was it was forced into this financial situation by its position in the European Union, where it was kind of hopeless to imagine to imagine any progress for decades. Like it, it was trapped in debt for it, it is trapped in debt for decades to come. So in that sense, right. Europe is a very ambiguous presence here. And that in my sector, in the refugee sector, uh, I shouldn't say refugee sector because that sounds quite cynical in the kind of um, in the civil society and in the NGO world, the European voice is quite a useful one because they're more likely to care about safeguarding human rights standards than the Greek government, which has this attitude of what are we supposed to do with them? Right. And it's actually really interesting because, again, I understand the rock and the hard place situation that 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 the that the democrats are in right now like you know with with the the filibuster and do we just do everything on 50 votes but what if when the republicans gain power and all these things but it is this kind of you know democrats going oh we really should give people voting rights <laughs> but then that but the fact that they're then not able to but the, but the fact that they're not able to pass it is why I think, like, yeah. as much as I understand the principles <laughs> and uh, all these different things, is that you do keep coming back to, this is why people ultimately lose faith in voting for you. This is why people go, oh, you're ineffectual. <laughs> because the other people show up and just do their thing. Like, and, and for us, it takes, right. you know, a year plus to be like, okay, mm. like, one third of the infrastructure bill. <laughs> Could I ask, like, a, a, a kind of question to kind of draw those two topics together, immigration as compared to Europe uh, and America, but also also this question of centrism versus the radical left. In Europe, there's a pretty big correlation with saying you're proud of being from your country. I'm a, if you say I'm British and proud, there's a very clear correlation with the right. Um, do you, yeah. do, you, do you feel that way in America? Because I have also seen progressive politicians try and define being American as being sort of progressive. Basically, they say, oh, I don't care about skin color or all this stuff because I'm American. That Those two are related. I define it as a progressive thing. I wonder how. You yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, un unless you're like straight up a like a communist, a tanky, uh, don't don't try to fuck around with like adapting nationalism to a leftist context please don't like <laughs> because that's what they try you know democrats like we're, we're the the fascists will win every time in in this realm right you know what i mean like you you have to when you're defining a national identity um most people want to hear very specific things or like they have very specific things in mind like democrats like uh being in, being a real american is about like loving your neighbor it's like I, I guess, but to most people, being an American is about loving God, loving your car, owning a home, and those are the three things that are like on like honestly, those are the three things that are very enshrined in in the Constitution to being an American. Like owning shit makes you an American. Like having money makes you an American. Um, and then like on a higher level, there's the conflation between you know religion and and uh, nationalism in the United States specifically. Uh, you know, God bless America. Is is a very loaded, mm -hmm. loaded fucking thing to say, uh, but I, I I think I I think I, mean, I might have. I, might I have gone do off think topic. there is a. I think the, and it, and it's interesting because I would say, generally, 
a European attitude about Americans is certainly, oh, Americans are very patriotic, right? Uh, in terms of, and, and that comes in the form of mm. you guys <laughs> in suburbs have flags just to remind <laughs> people driving through a random American town. <laughs> yep, you're in America. Whereas like, 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 and, and, and sort of God bless America, sort of American patriotism. There's a lot of sort of like from a European perspective, which might just be like, we're grumpy old, Europeans <laughs> but they're sort of like a oh they're so proud to be American and I think to what you're saying Tim I agree I do think it's interesting because left-wing politicians especially the in the mold that we've been talking about you always see a Biden or an Obama try to be like hey hey we can <laughs> we can we can we can say the patriotic lingo and mean <laughs> our shit <laughs> like they try to like hey hey hey, hey Jack Hey Jack, be, be, being being American, being an American is all about yeah. all about trans rights. It's like no one thinks that. <laughs> you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna score yeah. Yeah. like no, the nationalists like, and the people the that shitty, are like, uh, that are, are like we're still the city on a shining hill. Or what's the what's the we're still the shitty city. <laughs> the shitty, yeah, we're the, we're shitty, the shitty shining, shining hill. hill. Yeah, like oh. they still have to kind of that's. I mean, that's actually if anything. I know he actually got his fair share of criticism for that, and I am actually inclined to agree with this. As someone who's been like, as one would, as we would expect from our call so far, I've been mixed on Biden, like, like so, like so far. But, I, but I think mm-hmm. what's interesting, one of the ones where I very much agree with, like, the frustration is sort of when he'll come out and something horrendously racist happened or something, you know, and he'll come out and go, "This isn't America." Yeah. <laughs> Like, sort of like, no, America is like, it's still rooted in that, like, idea that American means something, (laughs) something inherently great. And it's sort of like, this is, I mean, it is America. It happened in America. We should talk about how it's happening in America. (laughs) Like, there's this very, and it's like, and it's that idea of like, point us in a better direction. I kind of, I I see it in theory. But doesn't that speak to the the Democrat just like, uh, mental condition like you they keep trying to play in the realm of the other team and again <laughs> I, I know i criticized this earlier but i'm going to use sports metaphor they keep trying to play the the wrong game they keep trying to play the right wings game instead of simply developing mm. policies that are popular that people like instead of instead of trying to develop like apolitical solutions to political problems um, you know, offering some kind of tariffs or earned income tax credits instead of just fucking direct payment to people, uh, they're, they're going to keep losing. I think like what's at the end of the day, centrism is a very appealing thing on paper. Like you say to somebody, hey, you don't want too much left. You don't want too much right. You want to be in the middle. But like a lot of times what that what that ends up being is like a drift to the right. Like, as we mentioned earlier, like, a lot of times what that just ends up being is like, hey, if we we, we do things in the middle and, and like split the difference, eventually like the the people that are that gain a little bit mm. are going to gain the most every time. I um, think that's probably fair. <laughs> Though I I think it's also an excuse not to really defend what you're saying to some extent. So to, you get like the excuse of moderation without having to actually yeah, explain why. But I do I have I'm at the risk of sounding like an obnoxious left wing intellectual now and learn the elite the elite that are, that are so terrible. I have a tiny bit of sympathy for people in the centrist mold who try to make their flags mm-hmm. mean nice things <laughs> in that, like, obvious, it's very difficult for me to believe, partly because, you know, both Tim and I have two flags. So it's like, well, they both, they can't both mean just nice things, can they? <laughs> but, um, but some, 
I do think maybe something that might be something that in 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 the context of countries finding it very difficult to really bind themselves together and give give meaning to their citizenship, I'm all for them trying to make the flag mean something nice. <laughs> like if I if. If, if Obama can get away with saying, so one of his famous lines was, uh, only in America is my story even possible. And that's sort of debatable, like other countries might have better social mobility, might uh, treat race better than America. But if, if he can make that fly, and if he can make that part of American identity, then, you know, you know, all, all the best to you. I hope it works. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's very true. I mean, like, if you look at the, I mean, Norway is more than uh, Viking Raiders, right? Like, <laughs> like your history doesn't necessarily have to, like the history of your land doesn't necessarily have to define your like national identity. But what you need to do is, is the work to distance yourself from the previous nasty bad things, mm -hmm. which the United States just doesn't do. Like it, it, it's it's the clean your room thing. Like it, somebody yells at you to clean your room, you wait twenty years, don't clean your room, come back, and then get like upset that you haven't, like that somebody's mad at you that you haven't done anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you, and you get like move on from the clean your room thing. It's like, but you've never cleaned. Like it's not clean. <laughs> not, we can't we can't move on from it. That is. Uh... That's, I think that's a perfect, that's a, a lovely, a, a lovely conclusion to the centrism, centrism conversation. When you make the progress, we'll stop bothering you. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll pay the rent when you fix this damn door. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yep. We, we brought it all the way back yep. to Spider. Oh, um, it always goes back to Spidey. Yeah, no, this was, but this was great, Tim. Thank you for, thank you for being so generous with your time. And yeah, I think I, I, I kind of love how instantly, like, I had a suspicion that the three of us all being quite sort of in various ways heady, <laughs> sort of like, like with lots of different thoughts coming from different places. I had a suspicion the conversation would just instantly blast off. So uh, I think this was fun. And yeah, and I, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your, your, your patience with me. I, I, I try to be well read. Um, I live in I live in a place that unfortunately is the center of the universe, and it works that way like like a black hole, like where all like everything like I try to look out, but it all just gets it's all sucked inward. Like I, it's really difficult. <laughs> so, so I appreciate you guys dealing with my like cursory knowledge of world events. No, I think I think you did. We we were the center of the world once. It wasn't you know <laughs> it wasn't that helpful. Uh, yeah, been really, really whatever. Nice <laughs> all right, so good to chat to you, Tim. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, nice to meet you, Toby. See you, Tim. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Bye.